Hey, welcome to the Junto Show. I'm Lance, and I'm woke with jokes. I'm Johnny, founder of The Fender Out. Go sign up today, please. And I'm Bo. The way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. <laughs> wow, that's profound. Right. We got to the profound statement already. We're done. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Man, that's great. Okay, Bo, kicking the knowledge, as always, getting us started. All right, uh, <laughs> welcome back to the Junto Show, our illustrious listeners. We're happy to have you. This is a uh, Junto Show Quarantine Show number two, and uh, everybody's uh, healthy. You guys, how you guys feeling? I'm okay. I sneezed today, so I was kind of worried. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, since we started this recording, I've been uh, a little sniffly myself, and I'm just like, well, that's, uh, that's how it starts. <laughs> Johnny, how you, how you feeling over there, Johnny? I feel good. I'm just a little worried about how much toilet paper I use these days. Ah, so the toilet paper. Remind me to flow back. I've, I've got the answer for the toilet paper situation. No worries. I, I, will, I will roll back to that topic later. Ah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. All right. It's on the sheet. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, today is Thursday, April 9th, 2020, and we are the Junto. And the Junto is a club Benjamin Franklin founded way back when America was great. The purpose of the Junto was to debate questions of morals, politics, and natural philosophy. Our show's not quite that stuffy, but here and there, we stumble upon something profound. Profound. <laughs> Between the geeky jokes. All right, so uh, I'm just going to uh, you know, check in with you guys. So uh, you know you, you two have been doing a lot of running with your corona time? Yeah. And, uh, I am trying. I'm like doing maybe a fifth of what you two are doing. I think you're doing – like Johnny, what's your average run looking like these days? It's between 2.5 and 5 miles. Jeez Louise. And uh, Bo, what are you doing? Uh, I do a couple fives. I do a three. And then I go for, I think I did a seven. And I'm trying to get up to eight. So. Jeez the freaking week. So, Johnny, you're running that whole time. You're not, like, stopping and Correct. Non-stop running. Man, I can't do it. I can't do it. So, I think, well, so. well the, I think the trick really is, like, you're running at a speed, and as long as you like, just don't walk. You can go as slow as you want. Do you so, change like, your pace? Yeah, I change my pace. Yeah, the uh, I got to get advice with that uh, coaching app I use. Um, okay. It's all in your breathing, right? So breathing is your fuel for your muscles. So if you feel getting tired, just slow down. Just catch up on your breath. Number one thing to focus on is always make sure you're breathing okay. If you need to slow down to breathe better, do that. If you're feeling okay, run a little faster. But it's always in the breathing. I think Bo mentioned that too. Okay, so you will slow down your pace then, Johnny. Yeah, always running. But yeah, I'll slow down if I need to catch my breath a little bit. Or if I want to push it for the next mile, I'll I'll purposefully go hard. The next mile, the next 30 feet. Jeez Louise. I think think what you get to, and and here's the kind of thing that you kind of have to psych yourself up, or at least for me, it's, you know, I, I remember like, um, starting off, and this is when I was younger, I could just kind of start and kind of go, but now it takes me about a mile or two to kind of actually get warmed up. So you kind of have to have the mentality like, I'm not even warm, I'm not even like yeah. ready to actually do anything until mile two. And yeah. then once you once you get to that that point, then you kind of get a you can kind of get a, a rhythm, and you know once you get up to like the, the longer distances, you kind of have a, a steady pace and just kind of keep going. Your warm up is longer than my entire run. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you kind of have to have the mentality, like, you know, once you you have to do like at least a mile, like miles of warm up. That's that's kind of yeah. I kind of feel the same way. In my mind, at least, what makes sense to me is like the first mile is me warming up my lungs capacity to take in air, but then by mile like three and onward, the lungs are so big I can take in more oxygen, therefore I can run faster. So by mile three, four, and five, I'm actually running faster. And do it. Okay, I think this is uh, is this a two different worlds that we're in, and that's fine. It takes all types to, to make this world go around. Some of us are 0. 0.7 milers, some of us are five milers, and that's fine. And that's, I'm fine with it. <laughs> sort of fine. All right, so so uh, so Johnny, uh, you got any news for our, our Patreon uh, subscribers there? No, not really. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So if you want to sign up and support us, which we will be super appreciative of but i know it's corona time everybody's um got to take care of their needs and their means and such so we totally understand but if you got an extra dollar visit patreon.com slash junto show and we'd appreciate it thank you 
Yeah. Or give that money to like a, I don't know, buy a, a, a mask for a, a nurse. You know, you that'd go. be better. There but you if you don't, we'll take it. Uh, all right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get things started with our first segment, Hot Take News. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. First segment in the Hot Take News here is I saw that the government has plans for a medical draft. And when I say that, I'm not saying that, like, it's coming in July or whatever. Like, there is literally a document that outlines how they would implement a draft of medical professionals if there was a substantial enough national medical emergency. Do you think that trained medical professionals should be, could be morally, obviously, drafted into some type of service, especially in this world where we're like, the PPE is trash and they are in legit risking their, their lives uh, to go? No. No, I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, and I guess I don't think it's a good idea because you know, medical professionals, you know, are in that field because they're trained to be in that field. And you have people who are, who want to be in that field and are willing to work and sacrifice for themselves. Being drafted into something doesn't automatically make you want to. Like, if you want to draft a bunch of people to dig ditches, that's one thing. But if you want to draft people to actually provide a, a service or something like that and actually, you know, desire to be there so they don't, don't just uh, slough it off. No, I don't think it's a good idea. I think ditch digging is a service, but I, I think I see your point. But uh, I don't know. I'm not going to hate on ditch diggers here. Some of our no, I'm, digging. Digging. I'm just saying, like you know, uh, it, if there's something that I, I would say, there's a difference between like someone who is you know drawing blood and someone who's digging a ditch. I, I think like you definitely want the person who cares about you know sticking a needle in you and making sure that everything's sanitary and that they're actually not breaking through the other side of the needle or, or the other side of the vein or, or just kind of not doing a very good job compared to someone digging a ditch. Well, you know, I mean, you can mess up digging a ditch, but it'd be a lot harder to, you know. Okay, so I see I see not where I thought somebody would go with that, but I see your point there. Okay, Johnny, uh, you had a minute to think about it. What do you think? I am going to rip into Bo's argument. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> well, the idea is it's a draft, right? Draft means I am going to uh, mandatorily call you up on service. So it's not like I wanted to go, whether I'm a, a, a ditch digger or a medical or a soldier. The idea here is I'm drafted. I must go do this. My government is compelling me to go do this thing, right? So in that regard, it feels like whether you're in the medical field or you're on the um, at war shooting bullets, if it's a national emergency and they need you, it fits the same criteria. So I feel like you're either against all drafts or you're either okay with drafts, whether it's medical or wartime purposes. Or also being against all drafts? I mean, well, you know what? I'm against wars. I don't know that I'm against a draft. Well, that's a very uh, luxurious position to say there. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I of course, everybody's going to say, I'm against wars, of course. I don't know about no, everybody. No. no no problem. No, I don't think that's a true statement either. I think well, there are some I'm not against wars. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think you get my point. I don't <laughs> want to mince words here. Where it's like, I think the majority of the same person would say, of course, I don't want to go to war, right? The idea here, though, is somebody is attacking our country. What are we going to do about it? Are we just going to... Well, we've had this chat. I, I, I have said on record that if we got hit, if, my, if I'm president and we got attacked by some foreign country, I wouldn't necessarily go to war with that country. I think, yeah. So you'd, I might talk about So you'd be pulling. You'd be like, all right, you take over my country. No, you can't take over my country. But if you attack, like if there was some type of... if. As 9-11 was terrorist or whatever. All right, if, all right. So, so if let's something happened going. from, like, it was not terrorist random yeah. criminals. If it was, like, the country of Russia, they were like, Putin is like, Lance, I have attacked your country. I wouldn't necessarily attack him back. No. I would, so, we would talk it out or something. So I get you. The scenario I'm painting for you, though, is they've attacked us. We didn't do anything. They attacked us twice. They didn't do anything. They took Florida. We still didn't do anything. How much time do we wait before we actually say okay that's it that's the last straw we're going to war 
and then we realize we don't have enough soldiers to go to war with, then you do the draft. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, definitely, I would. That's why. That's why I said I'm not against drafts per se, because like if push came to shove, yes, there you go, and the country needed the people, then yeah, you would have to do it. But that said, though, the bar for where I'm going to even fight the the, the war where you don't need a draft is a lot higher than for right. the average person. So let's make the analogy right now. We're in the medical field. Are we at a point where we're desperate enough that we must enlist medical folks? Uh, I don't think so. Actually, okay. Yeah, I think I you might need to move people around. I might say that. Uh, I definitely, I'm definitely fine with moving doctors from state with less medical need to doctors with more medical need. I'm, I'll do that all day. I'll pay for your hotel. I would incentivize them instead of doing a draft thing. I'd be like that uh, stimulus package type thing, the bailout package. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, if you're a medical worker, you're a nurse, we're gonna pay you an extra. Hundred thousand dollars to go do this. You're a doctor. We're gonna pay you an extra five hundred thousand dollars. Like I do both. Yeah. And so the same the same law you passed. Step one is incentivize, and then clause B is if we don't get enough volunteers, we grabbing you, paying you, but we grabbing you, and we're sending you over there. So what happens in Bowland? Uh, for. Drafting and medical professionals? Yeah, there's a shortage of medical people. What do you do in mm-hmm. Bolandia? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I guess I can't say I'm 100% against, you know, drafts. So it sounds like we're all sort of for uh, drafting if worse came to worse. So, anyways, this is supposed to be hot take news. I don't want to take it up too much. But. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, sounds good. So everybody's been on these, uh, and uh, what's the other app? Teams? What? Teams? Microsoft oh, teams? teams? Yeah. Since the coronavirus hit or whatever, it's been all kinds of extra video uh, FaceTime. People have been video chatting more and more. But there are a lot of issues with the privacy and data sharing with these apps that I think people aren't fully aware of. So like I saw this article where it said Google, known for its uh, privacy concerns, bans its employees from using Zoom over security concerns. It's like, uh, I've heard that it's kind of sharing your, your data in some type of way. So it's just like, right when everybody needs it, this platform, the magical platform shows up for free. And the thing that we have to remember is that when there's a free, a free platform, you are the product, not the video thing. It's getting, it's making its money some type of way off, off of your data or something like that. So, so be careful. Also, have you guys heard about Zoom bombing? These Zoom bombs? I've heard about it. What is it? Well, have you heard about it? <laughs> is that where you you get a meeting ID you shouldn't be in and jump into the meeting? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> people are, I, randos are showing up in people's meetings and uh, baba booey, baba booey, baba booey, and, and things like that. <laughs> oh, I thought it was like you farting and you didn't know your mic was on. Oh, no, nah, that's not. <laughs> Karen went to the bathroom. <laughs> she didn't realize she was on a, on a call like that. All right, so it's out of, out of control. Out of control. All right, so uh, oh, Johnny, uh, for I guess from for my last topic here in the hot take news, uh, one sad thing that's been coming out of our uh, new post-corona world, uh, the perception that coronavirus came from—I guess it's not a perception; it's more or less accepted fact—that coronavirus came from China. Racist. <laughs> no, not that. Uh, what do they call it? The uh, kung flu. Racist. <laughs> That's really racist. It's really bad. Uh, it's, kind of it's, it's, kind bad funny. it's bad. But um, I've been seeing that there's been a, a big increase in hate crimes and, and general racism against the, uh, the Asian community in America. And, and uh, as our resident Asian person, I, I wanted to give you a second to, to speak on that if you have any thoughts or uh, anything. Well, it's uh, first of all, I also think a racist term is the words Chinese food. So. Chinese food? <laughs> All right. Hey, you know what? I defer to you on these issues. Uh, that's news to me. So but This is how we learn. Much like uh, there's nuances in every culture. So I'm Vietnamese, right? So I understand the idea of asking an Asian person, hey, is this an Asian racist term? But even within the Asian community, <laughs> there are also opinions within it. So... Even within the Vietnamese community, Vietnam, 
doesn't like the Chinese government because it's very oppressive. They um, corrupt our Vietnamese government too. They pollute the nearby areas and whatnot. So, you know, if you ask a hardcore Vietnamese person, is that racist? They're probably like, no, it's true. It is the Chinese flu. It is the Chinese virus. Hmm. Okay, not exactly where I was going with it, but uh, I do. I, I think that's a good, yeah, a good interesting point to make. Just offering a perspective on it. That's all. Okay. All right. I see. I see. I mean, I don't think the average racist knows enough to tell that you're Vietnamese versus Chinese. So, like, whatever's coming to the Chinese people in America is going to hit the hardcore Vietnamese person too. And then you know maybe they'll sort it out in the end. But uh, so good luck to them. And I don't know, man. I I, I think it's bad. Like I saw. A story of, uh, like, somebody camped out in front of, I saw a video of it, really. It was, like, one of these ring cameras. Somebody camped out in front of some random Asian lady's, uh, like, stoop in New York and poured acid on her. Mm. And I was like, what? Yeah, right? I was like, like, what is that? Like, how are you so mad at Asian people as a whole for this thing that you would do that? And then I've been hearing people hating on nurses. Like nurses are getting kicked out of their, their apartments and stuff like that because they're infected, they're, they're sick, or they're infected, or they want to bring illness to the to the community. I'm like nurses and doctors, dog. Like, well, I don't know. It's just uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> but okay, so you guys got anything else on, on any of those topics? All right, so that's the hot take. Wait, sorry. So in good news, I'm gonna wrap right. up some good news here. Good news. <laughs> this is this is the good segment. Yeah, well, I like all of it. So um, I was on uh, my new favorite website uh, or at Reddit and uh, somebody asked the question in uh, the no stupid questions forum. It was a, uh, do other countries have Florida man? <laughs> and so uh, here's a listing of some of the other, the other, the Florida man of other countries. So this guy says a uh, number one answer. Turkey has Adana man. <laughs> Adana man took a shotgun and shot at the sun because it was too hot. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the guy says, in Italy, we have the wonderful town of Capri. Quoting from actual local news, drunk falls asleep, wait, excuse me, Capri man falls asleep in the main square hugging a stolen garden gnome. Drunk driver disguised as a toilet bowl, arrested. Uh, Capri man calls the police on his neighbor for sorcery. And uh, let me see. And uh, here we go. last one in South Africa, we have Brock Pond Man. People from Brock Pond are crazy. It's the equivalent to Florida, except except people from Brock Pond have way less disposable income and no beaches. <laughs> <laughs> so they get more creative with their crazy. Uh, yeah. So, so there we go. All right, and that's the hot take news for all of us here at News Center Four. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Uh, we'll be right back after this. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Captain's Radio Room. This is Johnny. And Science Officer Lance reporting for duty. First Officer Bo. Hey, Bo. I see you're in the Captain's Radio Room. Good to see you. <laughs> I am. <laughs> for our audience, you can't see it, but we're also Zooming. And Bo has changed his background to actually literally be in the Captain's Radio Room. Which we all know is the preferred place where the captain holds private discussions and receives classified communiques. All right. So what do you got in store for us today there, uh, Captain? All right. I got something I need your advice on, really, right? All right. And maybe the audience can also benefit from this, too. It feels like in this climate of polarization, you know, everything's so polarized, everything is so far to the left or far to the right, it just feels as hard, if ever, we can ever come to a common ground with each other again, right? So I started thinking about that. What's leading up to this idea that why can't we get past our, uh, I'm going to say our positions or maybe even our egos a little bit, right? Like, I am right, you're wrong, I know it, but why is that? Why do we feel so strongly in that, right? So... I'm going I'm I'm to come off real bad in this segment. I can, I can tell already. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we're going to come off here. So let's see how this goes. So reading an article from uh, my one of my favorite places these days, Harvard Business Review, there's a nice little article called The Psychology Behind Unethical Behavior. And I attributes it to three 
different reasons why, perhaps, right? So I'll list each one one at a time, and maybe we each like kind of debate it around and see if it makes sense or not to us, or if it applies to us, or we know somebody like this. All right, here we go. First one, I pronounce it omnipotence, but I think it's called (laughs) (laughs) I think it's called omnipotence. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Not impotent. Not impotent. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so people who suffer from omnipotence is when somebody feels like they're so entitled that the rules of decent behavior don't apply to them anymore right so like i'm at a position of so much stature that i don't need to listen to you small little people anymore you know who is a a, a underappreciated um per, a group of people that have this this uh, mindset. What? So I went to a uh, I went to Auburn. So it's a a college in the South uh, in, in Alabama. A, Auburn. Uh, yeah, that's a little small little school up there. No, it's a nice size school, but it's it's a big school in a small town. But yeah. it's all based around football. Not all based around football, but like the football players there were like mega stars, and the. This so the omnipotence or whatever the, uh, the the feelings of aggrandizement. So you got to keep in mind that the the college football player to make it to like a good school's college football team, let alone like an NFL or a pro basketball player or something like that, you were the best person on your little league team. You were the best person on your middle school team. You were a superstar in high school. And you were a superstar in, in the big man on campus in college. And you just think all you ever hear is how great you are. Or maybe that you're a scumbag and practice or whatever, but the rest of the the whole city you're in <laughs> thinks you're that the hottest thing going, and then uh, those guys acted like it too. It was uh, pissed me off. <laughs> so yeah, so there's some unethical behavior in there for you. <laughs> all right, all right. So sounds like it makes sense to agree. Bo, do you know anybody who's uh, you know, acting like this? Uh, like or, they're all powerful. Yeah. Um, I guess not. Not personally, no. I don't. Uh, I, you know, I I had a different experience with some of the football players because I mean FSU is. I went to FSU and I would say it's probably just as big of a, a football uh, college as uh, I mean not as good, obviously, but go on. <laughs> not now, that's for sure. Um, and I I never I think the the football players that if I ever met um, they didn't actually come off as um, kind of omnipotent. They kind of came off as, I don't know, almost more buffoons or something like that. Like just, just jokesters, you know, not really taking things seriously. So yeah, but maybe the, even the fact of them thinking they can not take something seriously, you know, uh, at a time in life where people, some people are working very hard. Maybe that in itself is a means that they think they can joke around and still make it, and they're probably right. Yeah, well, well, see, that's the thing. Like, I never really thought too much of it because, I mean, if you're, if like you said, if your institution is, you know, centered around a sports culture, and then you have someone who's very good at sports, but this may not be as good at the other charters that a school would have, then they probably know that they can do whatever they want, essentially. Right. And so I never really faulted them. I was just like. I mean, I, I, get, I get it now, especially like you see a Justin uh, Bieber or somebody like that, you know, being a jerk. But I'm like, well, he's a 20 year old millionaire, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Just, like, if, you were, had a, if you bought your parents a house, you know, he's like, it's my house. All right. So, so Johnny, what do you got? Well, um, the only thing I'll say here is like, when I put up the litmus test of like Trump and Obama to this omnipotence thing, it's like, well, it's black and white almost, right? Oh, maybe that's the wrong thing to say. <laughs> you, go with it. You can say it. I can't. I can't. Say it. <laughs> like, I mean, just even look at the omnipotence, feeling so entitled. I'm like, yeah, that's Trump. He feels very entitled, and because he's in the position of the power, you know. But never felt that way with Obama. But obviously, I think other people would disagree with that. Um, yeah, well, they'd be wrong. No, I won't say be wrong. I would. I'm thinking they'd be wrong, but I would say they would have a tough time justifying their position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let, let's move on to number two. Let, let, let's see if this <laughs> rings more of a bell with within each of us here. King Obama. Cultural numbness. Right. A second reason why people cross ethical lines 
is because they start playing along with others and they gradually begin to accept and embody those deviant uh, uh, traits as well. Right? So basically, I think this is like... So you're, like if, you, if you're a good guy that's in a corrupt culture, gradually you'll get corrupted? Yeah, pretty much. Maybe you're uh, hanging well, out with a bunch of corrupt people and all of a sudden you see them doing it all the time. You're like, oh, must not be that bad after all. I thought it was wrong, but I guess not. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? If you you are kind of, no matter what we, uh, I guess, uh, I, I would say I am a, I am a product of my time, my surroundings. And, you know, I wouldn't know if I was doing something objectively wrong if everybody around me was. I think you'd know it. First. And then for some stuff at the, at minimum, you'd know, or you'd get an inkling and then you would kind of just push past it. I think over yeah. time, depending yeah. on what it was. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe there's some things that are like, yeah, I'm, actually, I don't even know. I don't know if that would be the case because you, you have a moral compass, do you not? Don't, I mean, you're, are you unless you're admitting to being some type of psychopath right here on the show? I think you have a moral compass. You know right from wrong. Yeah, I'm just thinking like I'm. I'm thinking of the book. Um, what was the book that we read? It was uh, Humanity or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you read it, well, Johnny? Sapiens. Yeah, yes, Homo Sapiens. That's it, right? And there was a story in it where this one guy, he he was like uh, from a small tribe in South America or something like that. And he and when technology came, he was upset that he used to be the most feared person in his tribe because he used to go behind old women and kill them. <laughs> you know, and, and it was like he, he's not in tribal jail or anything like that. He, and he was just like, well, now I'm sad. You know, I can't kill women. And, stuff like that. and he was. And he's a person that's a complete product of his surroundings. And, you know, is he, I don't even know if I could say he's a, I guess you could say he's a sociopath. Uh, well, but you I know what, of, so if, if he is in a society where somehow the the best person in the village is the guy that kills the most old ladies, <laughs> then doing so does not make you a sociopath. I would agree. Yeah, murder, but you would you would agree that murder is an objectively wrong thing. Yeah, so I think that's in a, American in American society. Well, yeah. I think that's well, a, so. Then you would say that morality is relative to society, and so that you know, if I'm surrounded by people around me doing something, huh. I can't objectively, you know. Hmm. Am I willing to say that, that even murder is not objectively bad or not objectively morally wrong? Okay, so there's there's a question. So if if there is a hypothetical society where murder is at minimum normalized, uh, let's and even say revered, like the biggest murderer in town is Carousel. 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 Logan Trump. Logan Trump. No one. No. Sorry. Sorry. So you're you're in Madripoor or or some some highly criminal place or whatever. The biggest murderer is the best guy. Yeah. Is it still immoral to murder? Like, and it's in that society. Is it still an objectively immoral thing to do? Yes. I'm not sure. I think it is. But what do you think? Um. Yeah, but but it's it's but that's kind of a strange thing, you know. Strange kind of thought comes. I think it's objectively wrong because. So, so again, we're not because not it's as against... an American judging judging that. If you were a member of that society. Would and you didn't wrong? know, yeah, you didn't know that it was wrong. Well, would it even be wrong? Like, if you didn't know it was wrong, it, yeah. it wouldn't be wrong, or would it? Well, I feel like so. I read this book a long time ago called "The Language of God," I believe it was. And it was a kind of a debate between science and faith. And one of the uh, things that faith posits is that we are innately born with right and wrong. Right, so if you believe that or don't believe that, you know that's something there. Where if we are born with the innate knowledge of right and wrong, then whether we're born in Madripoor, where all the murderers are the most famous and powerful people, we would still know deep down inside it was wrong. Yeah, but but I think that the sense of where we're born with right and wrong is tied to what can get you the most resources, essentially, so you can. No. <laughs> yeah, I do think so. That's not what's right. That's not right and wrong. 
Not no. So right and wrong yeah. is determined by the amount of resources. That's a that's psycho. That's psychopathy. Right and wrong. No, well, that's not, well, like okay. So you know, I'm, I'm more thinking of you know hunter caveman days, right? You know, we determined what was right and wrong based off of you know. If if I behave right, I can share my food with you and in hard in good times. And if you behave right, then you can share food with me, and we can kind of keep this relationship going. And then we can survive, and we can you know have well, more offspring. Right? Well, I, I feel but like if I steal your resources, then I have more resources, but I'm also like a jerk. So <laughs> yeah, but, but then but then in times of struggle, then no one's going to share the resources with you, and so over time, those traits kind of. Yeah, but I'm saying though, like you're saying that that which leads you to the most resources is by definition good, and I say no. I don't think so. Yeah, but but it, but if you get a short gain of resources versus a long term gain of resources, you're more willing to go for the long term gain of resources. Yeah, but by the time I take your stuff and you're dead, you know, I still survive. So I, I feel like I. Yeah, would. but you don't survive as, as long though. I, mean, I survive longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I care. About. Okay. Well. well, are we born with a genetic knowledge of right and wrong? Evolutionary speaking, it probably behooves us that we don't murder our own people. So yeah. genetically, we might be born with an innate knowledge of right and wrong in that sense. To some extent, but, but then, then I think you also get shaped by your environment. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I think we're the rare species, as that book talks about Homo sapien, that we can override our genetics with our belief system. So, there you yeah, go. and so if you're in a society that praises murder. Right. If you were to murder and you were to say every time you murder you get yeah, six yeah, pizzas yeah. for the rest of your life, you know, then you're you're more likely to yeah. murder because you get pizza all the time. Uh, pizzas from Papa Joe's, Papa John's. Uh. <laughs> Papa Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> no murder for me then. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Under those circumstances, I abstain from murder. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. So the last little bit here, the third reason why you should be careful and not crossing ethical lines is justified neglect. And what that means is you're presented with an ethical problem, but you're thinking more about the immediate reward versus uh, and staying in good graces with those who are in power. So you see something wrong, but you realize if I point it out, it's going to be bad for maybe my career or my income or whatnot. So I'm going to make the decision and say, you know what? I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let the ethical thing slide because I don't want to, you know, lose my sale today. You know what? Okay, this is a, that's a good one too. This is a, why I was a tel- terrible tel- telemarketer. <laughs> so <laughs> so let, let's rehearse that. So you're trying to sell me what? Uh, so the thing I was, this was in high school. So this was in uh, the early 2000s when I was a telemarketer. You ever, were you a telemarketer, Bo? No, actually, I was surprised that they got paid pretty good. I was, uh, I worked at McDonald's. I mean, and, and I was like, "Y'all get paid over ten dollars an hour? What?" You know, the base pay was like ten something in in uh, twenty ten, and then if you were like good at it, you would get commission off of your sales. But I was trash at it because I would never lie to people or whatnot. But the things we were selling back then uh, was it was like a book of coupons. So it was like, "Hey, uh, hey there!" And then your name pops up, Johnny Wynn. Uh, I am, hey, last uh, name. That's kidding. So you said I'm I'm Lance with uh with uh the Fido company, and I've got a deal for you. Uh, I'm willing. I've got a special offer for you where I can give you two hundred dollars worth of coupons that you can use as soon as you get them for the low low price of twenty five dollars. All right, I'll and buy. I'm it. Get you signed up. Yeah, sounds good. But then the whole thing was like it was you could never cancel. It, it would have it like the there was one person working the cancellation line, and it was always hard <laughs> to call back. And then uh-huh. big scam, and then we would sign you up for like three of them, and it was. <laughs> but like people were making bank out there, man, like hundred dollars an hour. Some people, so like, so good at it. So how would you screw up though? Would it depend on like the customer, let's say me, asking you like, oh hey Lance, is this actually a good deal? Yeah, or like some old lady. She's like, "Well, let me let me call back my let me see my husband and see what he wants to do." And I'm like, "Oh, old lady, you're on some some type of fixed income. You're not going to uh, go to these places and use this crap." I kind of know it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> you are a bad salesman. Yeah, I was because I, I I knew it was a scam, but they really did pay a lot. <laughs> I was like, yeah. so, Bo, I was bad. <laughs> could you do it, man? Could you be a salesman? 
no, I don't think I could. I, I think if it's, um, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> if, I I had, I, if I had no morals, I would be a great salesman. I've got the gift of gab if I want to use it, but I, I, the way my morals are set up, I, I would hate myself and I couldn't sleep. You know, I, <laughs> I took a class a long time ago. One of the lessons in it was talking about resilience and why some people have it and some people don't have it. And it kind of comes down to what each person attributes the failure to, right? Do I blame myself or do I blame the world? Do I blame the thing I'm selling or do I blame the person who didn't buy it, right? And they did a study and they said telemarketers are always the type of personality that blames the outside world. Right, because for instance, if the I make a are, are the good one, the good telemarketers, the bad telemarketers, or telemarketers in general, the good telemarketers, the the, the successful huh. ones, because if I'm a telemarketer and I get rejected ninety nine percent of the time, right? If I that's take under, it, that's lowballing it. <laughs> yeah, if I take it to heart every time, I'm gonna be a horrible telemarketer. So the ones who are successful never take it personally. They're like, well, wasn't anything I did. That person was just an idiot. Nope, next call, and it keeps on doing it. You know, so it takes a turn in personality. Yeah, yeah. Shotgun method too. Like you will, it'll teach you humility. You've never been shot down more in your life than a telemarketer. It's just like in a t- t- 10 hour shift, it's nine and three quarters hours of getting shat on by everybody you talk to. And then like three good phone calls. <laughs> I don't know, man. Out of, out of 100. I, I think you've seen me try to hit on girls before. I think that's <laughs> worse. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. Some time. I remember the people that I in high school that I knew that would work telemarketers, and I would be like, "Y'all make pretty good money," but they they always seem like the that their soul was crushed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's really bad. It, it's the reason that they pay unskilled labor that much to do it because it's it's really soul sucking and it's it's bad for you. But you know, hey, if you can deal with it, <laughs> more power to you. <laughs> and, all right, so just so Johnny, uh, out of curiosity, why did this particular uh, article from the Harvard Business Review stick out to you? Um, I started getting on this topic because I started reading an article about this other dude that was like super supposedly egotistical and self-righteous. And I got to thinking like, what, what, how does a person start thinking that way? You know, like, it seems so far-fetched for like me to denigrate somebody, One moment. yet people like that do that. And... You know, I just kind of, I don't know, I just want to dig a little deeper into why people do that. So so if we looked up and all of the CEOs and millionaires and billionaires in the world were all unethical in ways you could trace back to this right here, would you start to think that it was the right thing to do to compromise your morals for success? Maybe, depending on what you do with it. Do the... What was that phrase? Does the means justify the end? Yeah, sometimes. Yes, sometimes no. Exactly. I, I don't know if it's an all or nothing kind of thing. I would think that the traits that make you more of a, I guess I'll, I'll just say like more of a selfish type person, probably are the same kind of traits you need to be successful in uh, in kind of a, those kind of arenas. You would need like such a high vision of yourself or such a uh, confidence in yourself, you know, you're, you're willing to kind of do it and you just, and if you get any criticism or any pushback, you're just going to just try to push through it and just keep going almost no matter what. Yeah. I think think maybe those kind of traits kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I think Bo raised a good point where that's a very, very fine line. If you stay on the, I'm confident enough to push through, you're like, um, uh, you're like a role model. You take it too far, and you're a, you know, you're a dick or something. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's a fine yeah. line right there between that those two concepts. Yeah, of the three, definitely like omnipotence is probably the one you could most easily channel towards being good, just like super duper self confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think. And, yeah. So I kind of want to I kind of want to go back to the omnipotence thing, and 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 the first kind of at least when you were talking about it and I thought you were mentioning that, you know, how can we get two groups of people, you know, this side is, you know, yeah. doesn't really think too much of this side. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I guess I wonder is omnipotent and omnipotence is powerful, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, is that the well omniscient would be all knowing, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I stand corrected. So I would think I was thinking maybe omniscient would have been the right word. Like, you know, I have no real perspective on someone else's situation in life. Yeah, that's not. That's and not. So I have all knowing. That's myopic. You what? That's not omniscient, though. That's myopic. Well, it, but it's. I wouldn't say it's. I'm just saying that no one is all powerful, right? So omnipotence. No one is omnipotent. When no one's omniscient. And no one. Yeah, when no one's omniscient. But if you think you're omniscient, then that's a, that's the problem. Mm, mm, yeah, it's a problem, but I don't think it's the same problem. Uh, I think I see what you're saying is that okay. So, like for example, Trump. I don't think Trump thinks he's omniscient, but I do think that he thinks that he's omnipotent, or at least he should be treated as though he's omnipotent. I think he thinks he's omniscient. You don't think he knows he's dumb? Mm. No, I don't think so. I think we talked about that before. I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he believes himself to be a stable genius. He's seen his grades though. It, it, like, there's a reason that he uh, told was it Michael Cohen to go back to his his college and steal the records of his his transcripts. Like, like he knows. Yeah, it's yeah. Humans are very capable of deluding themselves and and such. I, I will I will say that you know I don't obviously know everything about him in his life, but I mean he has had a measure of success in his life. And if he's had that much success, I would think that, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I almost can't fault him. Like, if you do something and it, and it works out 70% right or something like that, then you'd be like, you know, I must be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the story I, I tell uh, along those same lines is, uh, is John Travolta in Scientology. So, like, yeah. my understanding of that is that John Travolta, a young John Travolta was in Hollywood. He was trying his best, going on yeah. auditions and getting yeah. turned down. And getting turned down, and then one day he went to the Scientology place, and he got his thetans measured, and he did the whole thing. And then, like the next day, or real soon after he went to the Scientology place and got checked out, he auditioned for uh, Saturday Night Fever or whatever it was, and he got the role that launched his career. and And I say to him, I, I say, you know what? If John Travolta says that Scientology is the the one true religion, and that it leads to success. Yeah, uh, to him, it's it's right, right. So yep. I get why he is a Scientologist, but nobody else. <laughs> yeah, fine line between so, um, good luck charms, I guess, too. Superstition. Yeah. I mean, he's, he he owns a jet, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own a jet, exactly. All right. Well, I hope uh, I hope uh, folks got a little bit out of listening to our private communique there. Um, not sure the true takeaway there is, but just keep that in check. If you find yourself becoming too uh, impotent, I mean um, omnipotent. There you go. <laughs> both, both are probably issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with the uh, pop culture segment. Transfer of data is complete. Welcome back to the Hunto Show. I'm Bo. I'm Johnny. And hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. I'm Lance. <laughs> uh, and this is where we talk about what's new, what's hip, what's cool, and what's going on in the media. Uh, and I know Johnny has some good Netflix stuff for us. I know Lance's are has a lot of multimedia at twice the speed. So <laughs> tell us, guys, you know, what's going on? Um, well, I'll do a quick run through. Um, surprisingly, I have not been consuming as much as you think I would do under Corona quarantine time frame. But here's a rundown of what I have seen. Uh, Hulu is now streaming Portrait of Lady on Fire. It has fantastic reviews on Rotten Tomato. It's a period piece. Um, the way you're setting it up, I don't think you liked it. I liked it. Oh. Because the actresses in it were fantastic, and you really started believing it. Is it a true story? No, it's just a story, I believe. And the idea is the um, daughter is getting a arranged marriage. And back in the day, no pictures, obviously. So you get your portrait painted and they ship that portrait over to the suitor. And then the guy can make a decision, you know. So picture it as a very slow, tender scenario. <laughs> right? Okay. So, but the daughter refuses to get her portrait painted. 
right? So yeah. the mom hires. Light on fire. <laughs> so the mom hires a painter, right? Is a female painter to act like her best friend, to act like a person that she paid to go on walks with with her daughter, right? So the painter observes the daughter on the walks, and at night paints her from memory. Oh wow! But in the course of doing so, the painter develops feelings for the daughter. And then an interesting scenario occurs. So, oh, some old school okay. lesbian period. Yeah. All right. I Good see stuff. why you liked it. Yeah. So, <laughs> going from that to Frozen 2. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen Frozen 2. It's I haven't right. seen any of the Frozen stuff. So. It's all right, man. It's it's a solid Pixar movie. What are you gonna, or Disney movie. What are you going to do, you know? But the songs weren't just, weren't not as memorable, I'd say. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah. And talking about not memorable, Charlie's Angel. The one with um uh the girl from Twilight? Yep, Kristen Stewart. Woman? Yep. Yeah, that, that seemed like a, a weird movie. Like, what were you so bored that you decided to watch that one? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, girlfriend wanted to watch it, so. Ah, uh, yes. So, yes, it was one of her picks, so. But it was is fine. Is she a fan of any of the actresses, or is she just like bad movies <laughs> i think i think she likes the uh the fun playfulness of the uh girl power okay so, all right so 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 there's that i i would say charles angel did not hit the mark with me but i'm very glad that movie was made in uh wait why, why? because it serves because i think it does serve an audience for like teenage girls who want powerful female action role models so i'm down That's for that Re- representation does matter okay yeah. so but did your girlfriend like the movie? <laughs> I think she thought it was okay. I, I think she recognized it wasn't the greatest movie, but it was fine. Was the action satisfying? Like, no. So I, I can sit through a bad movie if it's got satisfying action. So should no. I avoid this movie? You should avoid the movie. Oh, man. Okay. I, was, I was going to watch it. Okay, you thank you. <laughs> and I want to end with Picard, obviously. I don't think I've talked about Picard. That was on CBS All Access. It finished the uh, ten episode run it had on it. Um, I For would the first say, season, right, or is it done? First season, season two has already been renewed. Okay. Um, I'll I'll say what I told my friend, which was it could have been ten episodes of Captain Picard drinking Earl Grey tea and sitting there, and I still would have loved it. That is this, by the way. Uh, Picard, uh, <laughs> Patrick Stewart is reading poetry on his uh, Twitter yes. to keep people uh, busy yes. during the, the quarantine. Yeah. I, I, I'd say if you're a fan of Star Trek and you're a fan of sci-fi stuff, definitely worth a visit. Definitely worth a visit. But I, I can't say it's uh, on par with the next generation. It's different animals. Same character, just different animals. You're still so, watching with the group, right? Does the group like it? Uh, the group, I think, is in alignment with me. I think they feel the same, if I may speak for them. Hmm. So, yeah. So, I've, so that I've heard, and Johnny, you may answer this for me, that uh, instead of in, like, the next generation, you know, they would discuss out and talk about problems and stuff like that, and it was more of, um, right. you know, how can this group of people overcome this, this situation? This one is more in the vein of the recent um, Star Trek movies where it's kind of this J.J. Abrams world, right? And then they have to they have to run and they have to fight and they have to shoot. And, and so really? He's 90 years old. Is he running around? Uh, <laughs> somewhat, but he gets uh, out of breath quickly. So it makes sense. Okay. Um, I understand. Yeah, so I, I agree with you, but I think that, that that's what I was hinting at where if you're a next generation fan, you watch it because you want the strong moral debates and getting the moral compass set correctly. Whereas what Picard offers is a serialized action story with a little bit of morality in it. So, and that's why I kind of say it's a different animal, right? So if you like the serialized story with a little bit more action, but with a cool character, you'll love it. But if you're going in there, what's that? It dumbed it down on you. Yeah, a little bit, I'd say. A little bit. Mm. Yeah. So. Sorry, buddy. Anyway, so that's what I got. What do you guys got? Hey, Bo, you want to go or you want me to go? Well, I mean, I guess I can I can talk about a little bit of stuff. 
Lighthouse. Lighthouse. So <laughs> I did see the lighthouse. Um, that was I saw that a couple weeks ago. Uh, it is uh, the directed by the same guy that did The Witch. So if you're familiar with the, the movie, I think it came out in 2014 or something. The Witch. Um, then you're you're kind of used to his, his storytelling method. This one was, I guess, a period piece around the turn of the century. Uh, so lighthouse keepers go to a remote island in the northeast United States, and then they proceed to drink a lot and kind of go crazy. And it's shot in a different <laughs> different uh, frame perspective, so it seems more claustrophobic. And the storytelling, the, the guy has a different... It's... It's not like, uh, I, I would say his storytelling doesn't, it has acts kind of in it, like, you know, like, like a regular story, but doesn't follow like the same kind of like structure. I, I don't know if I could really do it justice, but when you see it, you're kind of like, there's a story there, but I still don't know if I would call it like a traditional story. Um, I would say the movie is good. It's definitely not for everybody. Uh, it's, it's like something excited. like you. I would say like most people probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> um, the guy Robert Pattinson, Pattinson, Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the like, famous from the Twilight series. I really liked him in it. I thought he was funny. Him and William Defoe, uh, really good together in it. And um, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, and I'm guessing Lance, you're going to talk about Tiger King because that was the one that, the thing that I did see. <laughs> So I'll let you if you want to talk about Tiger King. Okay, so uh, but before we get off of the, the lighthouse, so, yeah. okay. uh, so it's funny that Johnny, you hit Kristen Stewart, and then Bo, you hit Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the Twilight action there. Is, yeah, no. Is Robert Pattinson a better actor than I think he is? Yes, I think so. He's the new Batman. Um, do you see him as Batman? Or could you see him as Batman? Yeah, but I th- I see him more of kind of like uh, so. I mean, who was the Batman from the from Tim Burton era? Was uh, Michael Keaton. Keaton? Michael Keaton. Like he was. I thought he was. I, I was a kid then, so but he was he was he was the Batman that I was used to, and so I thought he was like the best Batman. But he's not like a big guy or anything like that. And I think Robert Pattinson kind of has a hmm. uh, he he kind of has a that kind of look where he's he can be kind of crazy, so like the Michael Keaton kind of thing. You know, you make a good point there. Uh, I was in some some candy store in some small town, and they had like a uh, like a wax figure of Michael Keaton as Batman. And apparently, Michael Keaton is like five ten, five eight, or something like that. It was like a it was not a very imposing figure at all. And I was like, no wonder every small time crook in Gotham kept trying to fight him. He'd <laughs> 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 be like, you can win. <laughs> Why they? All right, so yeah, so I um like most of America, uh, took my first bit of quarantine time to watch Netflix's Tiger King, a, uh, AKA Florida, the, the story of Florida man distilled down to a fine goo and dropped into your eyes <laughs> via syringe. Even though, uh, shockingly, uh, Tiger King is not actually from Florida. He's from Nebraska or some crazy place like that. Uh, Oklahoma, the show, it was all Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. The show is uh, pure madness, as advertised. Uh, every there's no heroes, all villains. Uh, nobody should win. Nobody does win. It's crazy. It's as entertaining as anything I've seen on television in five years. Uh, all the hype is real. Definitely watch it. It's uh, out of control and uh, all villains. <laughs> So there is one thing I do want to say about the Tiger King, and I, I, I saw this reference before I watched it. It made it, it made it a lot better for me. Um, Tiger King is the Game of Thrones for rednecks. It is the white trash <laughs> Game of Thrones. That's funny. I, you know, I saw somebody go through and, and and map out all the people in their analogs to Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> and and when you when you read that, and then I kind of followed through and I watched it, I was like. Uh, it, for some reason, it made it so much more enjoyable. Did you finish it? Yeah, yeah, I finished it. Okay, uh, I want to talk about it a little bit. Johnny, do you mind? No, I already heard everything about it. So, 
Okay, here's spoilers. So, listeners, if you don't want to get spoiled for Tiger King, uh, just go away. Bo, did Carol uh, kill and feed her husband to the to her t- her tigers? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That, well, I don't I don't know if you fed it to the tigers, but I would say that uh, you know there's something really fishy going on with the disappearance of her first husband. <laughs> yeah. she, put, she put that sardine oil on that man. And uh, drugged him and put him in that tiger cage. She sprayed <laughs> his boots with cologne. <laughs> the sardine oil. That's sardine oil, yeah. Uh, let me see. What else? Also, like, how did he turn? He turned two straight dudes gay. <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. It's crazy. Meth. Meth. <laughs> <laughs> that show is just, it's so wild. Like, from the, have you seen any of it, Johnny? Or you seen the, the memes? Uh, I've seen the memes. And I had my girlfriend explain to me the entire everything from start to finish because I did not want to watch it. Why don't, so she watched it? Yeah. And what, what what are her general thoughts on it? Did she think it was good or did she think it was crazy? Did she think it was crazy? Yeah, good and crazy. Okay, yeah, that's true. Why don't you want to watch it? I feel like it's just trash TV. I If I'm going to spend six hours on something or five hours on something, I'm, I'm okay not watching it. Because I'm sure my addictive personality would watch it and I'd be engrossed in it that won't stop watching it so i just saved myself five hours of my life oh well there you go you know so there's part of me that wants to be part of the conversation so once the internet the whole internet is talking about thing x y or z yeah you know i'm like okay that's almost enough for me to go ahead unless it's like 30 hours or whatever yeah i will join in and see what the fun's about okay bo they're saying they have an extra episode of tiger king that they're going to uh, good idea, bad idea. What do you think? Uh, well, I think it's a it's a bad idea. I think Tiger King kind of stands alone as a piece of art. What? Yeah, exactly. In a loose sense, you know. Uh, um, it's art of a sort. Yeah, oh, yeah. and I would say I, I think I think these people, you know, are all kind of garbage people, and them being in a show without knowing that they're, you know, knowing that they they became famous, you know, I think it's good, but now that they know they're famous and then they're going to get new episodes. Yeah, I think like, it kind of ruins it. I don't, I don't, I think it was perfect as is. Uh, I, I will watch this new episode, but uh, I contend it's going to be tough for it to be good. There you go. I think that proves the point where from a Netflix business perspective, it's a no brainer. I'll drop yeah. another episode and rack up the viewerships and for sure. Yeah. I'm part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, and other things that I watched, uh, I am four episodes into Ozark. So speaking of things the whole internet's talking about, therefore I need to be part of the conversation. Uh, so season three, I think, just released, and people are saying how crazy it is. And I knew somebody else that watched it, so I say, okay, well, I needed a new show, uh, and it's there. So I started from season one, and it's uh, good so far. I like Jason Bateman. I like the characters. I think it's a crazy story. And we'll see what happens on season three. Uh, also, I'm watching uh, Better Call Saul, uh, one of the best shows on TV. Amazing. You should be watching it. I'm watching The Walking Dead. I never gave it up. We used to watch Walking Dead as a big group together. And then people dropped off around season five, maybe. And I kept watching it the whole time. It's, it was bad in five and six. And now it's great. So uh, it's rewarding my loyalty. So take that, you disloyal. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> And uh, I watched, uh, oh, and I finished all of Avenue 5. How was that? that? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I haven't. How was that? Worth it? Uh, if you're super into that uh, Dr. House, not the character, but the actor, and like space stuff, it's just good enough. You can definitely tell that it's the first season of a show and it doesn't have its feet under it, but I, I laughed. I definitely got some belly laughs out of it, hmm. but it was like, it's definitely season two will be better than season one once they get the bugs worked out. But it, it was good. It's fine. Actually, I've been meaning to ask you: Have you been watching Plot Against America? How uh, is that? Yes, I saw the first episode and it was very slow. And I think they're built. I've read the book, so like I'm into it, and I like the general concept of it, and I think it's very timely message. And uh, so I'm going to watch it. But uh, as it stands right now, I think I've only seen the first episode, and it was underwhelming 
Yeah, I tried watching the first 20 minutes of the first episode. I It was just so slow. Yeah, it didn't get better. Yeah. But the book, is, I don't even remember. The, I remember the, the book being interesting. It wasn't like amazing, but I'm going 